Well, hey there, and welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Dwyer, host of the podcast. Today, I'm in the studio with Pastor Ross Anderson. Ross, we're going to start a five-week series. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the Trinity, and we're going to be doing this for those of you who are new to the podcast, or maybe, maybe actually for those of you who have been listening to the podcast we're actually going to be spending more time, we're in a studio, we're gonna be spending more time talking about these topics that you can find on PursueGod.org. So if you wanna watch a small group video, if you wanna watch a five to seven minute video on these topics, you can, every week you can find these at PursueGod.org. There's discussion questions, there's talking points, it's great for mentoring relationships, for families, for small groups. But the, the podcast, what we're gonna be doing starting today, Ross, is we're going to be really sort of digging in. I imagine this is going to be 30 to 60 minutes in length. So it's great for people who are out there um, commuting to work and you want to you wanna really dig into some of the content on Pursue God, but you want to hear more, right? That's what yeah, we're doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, this is going to be great. So Ross, I appreciate that you're, you know, as you're taking the lead on this Trinity series, these are a series of videos that we created maybe two or three years ago. And the Trinity is one of those topics, you know, we do ministry in Utah. So the Trinity is one of those, is probably the biggest, the biggest question we get from Mormons or former Mormons or, or uh, people with a Mormon background who are coming to church or checking things out. Almost always the question is, what do you believe about the Trinity? Help me to understand the Trinity, because the Trinity for Mormons, and we're going to talk about it not just for Mormons, but the Trinity for a lot of people, but especially for Mormons, is a, for some reason a real stumbling block for their faith. So before we jump into today's topic, maybe you can speak to that for a second, because you did grow up Mormon in a Mormon family. It's not just Mormons, but I'll, do, I'll talk about that first, because the Mormons teach that there are diff- there are more than one God. That basically the, there's a Godhead, and they're united in purpose and completely in unity, but not of the same. They're not the same being. Mm-hmm. And so around here where we are, you have to really work on defining this. But it's beyond that because there's other groups that deny the Trinity in other ways. But I just saw Brian. I just saw a article last week that that surveyed average American churchgoers. They're not part of a of a heretical group or anything, they're going to good churches like like the ones our listeners are part of. And there, there's a functional illiteracy about mm. the Trinity. Right. So there's there's sort of many Christians are operating out of a, a functional modalism. We'll talk about that later mm. in another episode. But but uh, really, they don't they don't really grasp or really consciously affirm the whole idea of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. They just sort of live with uh, the the pickings of the ideas, kind of the the, the bottom, uh, the, the lowest common denominator of understanding, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, so really this is, this is, and we're going to be talking a lot of doctrine on this mm-hmm. podcast. We're going to be diving into a lot of this kind of stuff. In fact, next month we're going to be talking about the book of Ephesians. We're going to do a six-week uh, podcast series on Ephesians, so make sure to tune in for that. But But for these next five weeks, really digging into something that you know, the nature of God's important. It's important to understand God. It's an, uh, it's important to understand who Jesus really is. Um, you know, we like to say what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you. And the reason for that is because what you believe about Jesus is the thing that most impacts your eternity. And so the Trinity is part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. And um, 
We're going to be getting into that over these next five weeks. And I will say, make sure to listen all the way to the end of this podcast, because we are going to finish by answering this question, uh, Ross. We're going, to, we're going to say, do I have to believe in the Trinity, the, the orthodox definition of the Trinity? Do I have to believe in the Trinity in order to be saved? And we're going to answer that at the end. Amen. But before we answer that, I think we should start, let's start today, and we'll probably come back to this mm -hmm. every single week. Let's start with the definition of the Trinity. Ross, what is our working definition, of an orthodox definition of the Trinity? Well, the simplest way to frame it is to say, is to say that there's one God who exists eternally in three persons. Boom. Okay. There it is. All right. So this is good. Now I'm a math guy, right? So I, I love... This is maybe why I like to talk about the Trinity, because I'm okay with not fully understanding something. I'm okay with embracing the paradox of the Trinity. And, and really, the title for today's podcast is really the mystery of the mm -hmm. Trinity, is we're, we're, we're going to get comfortable. And I think for modern Christians and modern human beings, it's hard, sometimes it's hard for us to be comfortable with a paradox. Mm -hmm. And this really is a paradox that there is, there's one God, there's only one God, there aren't three gods, mm -hmm. there aren't a million, you know, an indefinite number of right. gods, like what Mormonism would teach, right? right? Yep. There's, not, there's not more than one God, there's only one God, the Bible is very, very clear on that. But at the same time, and this is not a contradiction, and we'll, we'll talk more about this today and throughout the series. At the same time, that one God who is one in being or essence exists somehow in some mysterious way, that one God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right. So, yeah, and it is a challenge to our intellect, but it, this is the basic idea. And of course, you can see that embedded in that simple definition, there's a ton of issues lurking, kind of waiting to be unfolded, waiting to be uh, defined and explained. Yeah, so let's, let's just start with a little bit of a Bible history, right? So how would, this, how would this have worked out in the Old Testament, right? How would an Old Testament follower of God, obviously mm -hmm. we wouldn't have called that person a Christian, but, a, but, a, but a, someone who feared God, right? The mm -hmm. Jewish nation, Moses, let's say, right. or right. Abraham, or David, how would this have worked out for them, this idea of the Trinity? Right. It, it's rooted in, the whole idea of the Trinity is rooted in the historic commitment of the, of the Jewish people, the people of God, the people of the Scripture, historically committed deeply to monotheism. Mm -hmm. And so the early church was, the, the first Christians were all Jewish. They were deeply committed to monotheism. This is the God who explains himself in, um, in the Old Testament through things like the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, the Lord our God is one God. And, um, and we're going to really dig into that next week in the next episode. But right. this is the starting point, is, is monotheism defined by the Old Testament scriptures. The, the, the early church, being Jewish, they were rooted in monotheism. They believed in monotheism, um, but their experience of Jesus and their experience of the Holy Spirit led them to believe that that personally experiencing Jesus as Lord over over the course of his life and then his resurrection from the dead, and they are eyewitnesses of this resurrection. And then following that, as Jesus ascends to the Father, sends the Holy Spirit, their experience of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, they, they say God's at work, but um, how then can we affirm the deity of Jesus and the 
everything we've experienced, the lordship of Jesus and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, but still maintain that framework of monotheism that says that there's only one God. So the early church is grappling with the, these realities and trying to figure out how you can uh, put that all together. And so, again, to, to go, uh, we're, we're kind of talking about New Testament Christians, and then we're talking about Old, Old Testament followers mm-hmm. of God. So in the Old, let's back up to the Old Testament. In the Old mm-hmm. Testament, then they certainly, uh, wouldn't you agree that, that uh, Abraham would, didn't have a clear understanding of the Trinity, right? Not, not at all. He understood one God. Right. Yeah. And it's the God that encountered him personally, and yeah. he would not have had any um, reason to you know, wonder about, oh, three-in-oneness or anything like that. He would just dealt definitively with this one true God. Now, he was, of course, in a context of polytheism uh, of the nations around them, so there was pantheons of plenty of gods. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of this one God, only one God, was really unique in, uh, in the history of religions and faith of the world, but that's, uh, that would have been definitely Abraham and the, the Jewish people, Moses, et cetera, would have been their, um, their understanding that they would not have understood this idea, or even thought of this idea of, of triunity. And yet, and we're going to show this more next week and in the, in the weeks to come, yet as we look w- from a biblical, New Testament biblical perspective, now that we understand the, the concept of the Trinity, right, we go back and we see it, we see it all through Scripture, right. Right. And, but, they, but again, we're not saying that that Abraham could have articulated this, or David right. could have articulated right. this, because God was exp- was over time. He, people were learning human, the human race, and I would say the church was learning more and more the true nature of God. So that by the time we come to New Testament Christianity, obviously we'll, we'll talk about Jesus's claims over the next few weeks. But Jesus made some claims mm-hmm. that you really can't. There's no way to handle Jesus's claims other than to say that Jesus at least thought that he was God. Right. So if right. you believe in Jesus, then then you you have to really grapple with this idea of the Trinity and, and Christ's deity, um, or you just have to say he's he was crazy. Right. 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 So ultimately, you're right. The whole, the whole doctrine hinges on the person of Jesus, the, the appearance of Jesus, the incarnation of, of God into the into human being before the incarnation there was no reason to have to think about it, worry about it. But when Jesus comes along and, he's, and, he, and he shows his claims as deity, he backs it up in various ways, including by the resurrection. And so because of the Jesus event, you could say, in human history, then the whole idea of God had to be uh, reconsidered and, and uh, maybe had to be probed more deeply. Okay, so here's here's then the next really the talking point. If you're going to use this in your small groups, if you're if you're unpacking this with with a mentor, even though the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, the idea of God being three in one is found through throughout its pages. Right, we see this all over the place. So Ross, help us with that. Maybe even share some scripture with us to help us to understand that. Well, this is one of the uh, complaints or the criticism you often hear from people who aren't Trinitarian in their approach to say, well, it's not even, the word's not even in the Bible. Well, that's a pretty shallow 
uh, response. Right. Because the word Trinity is, is simply a shorthand for a whole concept. It expresses in a single word what the whole Bible teaches in many, many different places. And so the idea is, throughout, is to really throughout the Bible. And so Trinity, so what if it's not the word's not in the Bible? The concept is clearly in the Bible. So here are some examples. Let me read some scripture here. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. It says, Paul's writing this to the church in Corinth. He says, May the grace, and this is at the end of his letter, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So where do you see proof for the Trinity in that passage? Well, the proof of the Trinity is a little more complex than that. Mm-hmm. You have to take all of the factors and put them into, into, to, into uh, one formulation. The oneness of God is taught, the, the threeness of God is taught, we'll get into that in coming sessions. But at very, very least, this doesn't give us the whole doctrine of the Trinity in one verse. You're not going to find that in any one verse. But what it does is it, it, it shows us the three persons of the Trinity clearly delineated, clearly in their roles that they, that they each have, and, and, but also uh, you see then that they, there's a picture of the unity of them also because they're working together in the life of the church. And, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's not the whole doctrine of the Trinity in one proof text, but it definitely shows us that the idea of the Trinity is present. Right. And here's another example. This is more famous. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus, this is in his great commission. He says to his disciples, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In fact, at church, when we do a baptism, we say this, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because of this passage, right? We're trying to be obedient to Scripture. And so once again, we see this, this concept it's like Jesus is is Jesus obviously understands this we don't understand it but Jesus is 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 showing by his words that he has this understanding of the nature of God right and this verse actually there there's a lot of implications for the understanding of the trinity here now it's possible if you're a tritheist um, to say this would this could make sense if you're a tritheist it could not make sense if um, in different heresies, of, we'll talk about them later, but modalism is the idea that God just shows up. There's one God, he shows up sometimes as the Father, mm-hmm. sometimes as the Son, sometimes as the Holy Spirit. This doesn't really make sense. Why not just baptize in the name of God? And right. then, and then if, if uh, another heresy in the past, Arianism, w- that posited Jesus was a created being, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit created less than God, why would you say baptizing them in the name of the Father, the real God, and in these two created beings? Mm. That doesn't make sense at all. So it does, it, does, it does give us some data that pushes us in a certain direction at very least. And I got to say, I got to say here to Christians listening to this, could we just, as two pastors who went to seminary, this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I'm just going to put this out there. So many Christians, this is why you need to listen to this whole series. So many Christians don't really understand the biblical orthodox doctrine of the Trinity, and you end up being heretical in your explanation of it. Right. The reason I know that is because uh, we feel strongly about this, that, that people that go to our church understand this because they're going to probably be asked by a Mormon, a neighbor. And so if you don't have this fundamental understanding, this... And it, it, you don't have to be a genius to, to understand. It's to understand some of these definitions, like what we started mm-hmm. with. God exists as one being, 
three persons. That's the Trinity in four words, one being three persons. I I always tell people that one being three persons, one being three persons. And so then you have to understand, and we'll get more into this, but you have to understand things like modalism. So for example, let's just do a teaser for what's going to be coming Mm -hmm. up later. The biggest thing that Mormons say to me, who are trying to do a gotcha moment for me, is they say, well, then what about the baptism of Jesus, right? Because they're saying, look, how could the Trinity possibly be true if Jesus is being baptized, God the Father speaking from heaven, and God the Holy Spirit ascends on him like a dove? And what they don't, what people don't understand, and maybe some of you are listening right now saying, yes, what's the answer to this? The, 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 when a Mormon says that, right, Ross, they're thinking of modalism, right? Right, or they're thinking of tritheism. Right. They're thinking there's no way that... Um, that there can really be be only one God, because how does that even work? Yeah, because they're all there in the same picture. They all showed up right there. Right. So right. see, look, I got you. There's not. Right. There's the Trinity is not true. Well, that just belies a, like this fundamental misunderstanding that they have, and I think be, mm-hmm. partly because a lot of Christians have it as well. Right. A lot of Christians For would sure. say, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know what the answer to that is. And right. now my faith is rocked because you got me. You know, the yeah. Trinity must not be true, and it's just a misunderstanding. Of, of the doctrine. Right, of what even the Trinity's claiming. And then the other one they use, too, while we're on the subject is, well, who was Jesus praying to in the Garden of Gethsemane? Was he praying to himself? Yeah, exactly. No, he's praying to the Father. Yeah. Okay, well, because we're going to, as we explain this, the Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. That's right. The Spirit is not the Father. And again, listen to that. Maybe you just heard Ross say that. You're listening to this. You're saying, wait, I don't get this. You got, you're going to back up this 15 seconds, and you're going to listen to that again. You, it's, you can say that because it's biblical. God the Father is not... And I'll, I'll just, I'm just going to add a little bit of a different word to mm-hmm. this. God the Father is not the same person right. as God the Son. Right who's not the same person as God the Holy Spirit. Because again, go back to the definition. The, God exists like this. It's mysterious, but he gives, exists like this. He's one being, one in being or essence or substance, mm-hmm. and three in persons. So when it comes to personhood, there's a distinction between Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When it comes to being or essence or substance, there's no distinction. There's one God, and yet he exists in three persons. So that just we'll, we'll give it away, but still listen to the next episode. But, but my answer to that is to, is to say to someone, like you just said, God in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was speaking to God the Father, and God the Father is different in person right. than God the Son. Right. right? It's it, tricky with language. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tricky with language because our language fails us right. to, cut, to comprehend an uh, infinite concept. We'll get to that in a minute, but the, the idea with language, so what we're, we're talking about is there's a unity in the being of God, mm-hmm. there's a distinction within God, there's a unity and a distinction, both. Right. To talk about the unity, we talk about essence or substance, one God, mm-hmm. one being, his beingness. To talk about the distinction, the, the language that we have that's evolved over time that makes sense is personhood, mm-hmm. because we see interaction between the... The, these persons, mm-hmm. I don't have a better word, <laughs> exactly. uh, of the Trinity. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to get. The, the, but the language can be tricky, but if we stick with the language, that helps to clarify um, the concept as much as possible. 
Yeah, and we'll get to that here in our last talking point. Before I do that, I've just got to read one more passage from Scripture. So we already saw, and I like this, that we're going to sh- we're going to share Paul's passage from 2 Corinthians, and there's more, but 2 Corinthians is, is written by Paul. Matthew 28, we just looked at, that was Jesus, those were Jesus's words. So Paul, Paul understood or articulated or tipped his tipped his hand a little bit to the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Jesus did in Matthew 28. And one more, let's look at Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Peter writes, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. And as a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that because, again, we see the, we see, and we're going to unpack this more later, but we see the different roles Right, right. Because part of the mm-hmm. distinction between the persons and the Trinity is there's a distinction in their roles. So, for example, Jesus died on the cross. Is it right to say God died on the, on the cross? Yes. But is it right to is it accurate to say God the Father died on the cross? No, no, because God the Son died on the cross. That's right. So Jesus has has distinct. And we'll, again, we're going to get into this more later. But Jesus has a distinct role. God the Father had a distinct role. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. Peter says, mm-hmm. "His Spirit has made you holy." One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify us. Is as it says in the prophets, is to move us to be obedient mm-hmm. to God, right? To fulfill the law, the the heart of the law of God. And then and then Jesus obviously did the re- redeeming work uh, on the cross. Jesus died for us, right? And so there's two, uh, if you look at the biblical data, well, again, I'm sorry to tease you guys on this so often, but we're really going to come back and really dig into a lot of these things in the next few weeks. So you have to listen to the whole series. But there's two errors to avoid that we're talking about here. One error is to divide the essence of God, mm. then you'd have three gods. The other error is to confuse the persons, mm. then you'd have, like, the Father is the Son, is the Spirit. Right. So those are the those are the... There's a ditch on either side of the road, you might say, yeah. and we got to stay out of the ditch. One ditch is to confuse the uh, persons. The other ditch on the other side is to divide the essence of God. That's how theologians have talked about it. Mm, that's good. All right, well, let's let, one more little talking point. Again, you'll find this uh, in the resources at PursueGod.org. Go to PursueGod.org forward slash Trinity. This is lesson one in that series. It's great for your small groups. It's great uh, for mentoring relationships. Maybe you do know a Mormon who would love to go through this with you. That's great. But the last thing that I always like to say, especially when I'm talking to a, someone who's genuinely seeking, a Mormon who's genuinely seeking and wants to come to faith, but this is sort of a roadblock for them. What I, what I, and this, it's not just a Mormon. It's really this could be a roadblock for mm-hmm. for anyone who feels like they're smart and they're thinking, and this doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to them. Mm-hmm. And here's the point: God's nature is a mystery to us because God is fundamentally different from us. It's so important to understand this. I think this is where the Mormons trip up is is the real the real reason I think Ross you can speak to this the real reason Mormons have a hard time with the idea of the Trinity is because they the the doctrinally they're no different. They they're they're going to they could be a god someday. God was once a man, right? And so that I think that's one of the reasons it's so hard to understand is they don't understand that there's a biblically there is a fundamental difference between God mm-hmm. and us. Every one of us exists as one being and one person. If you're listening to this today, you've never met a human being that doesn't exist as one being and one person. And yet God, who is holy and other and different mm-hmm. than we are, God exists as one being and three persons, and right. that's why we worship him. Right. 
It is. It is it's, a, it's a mystery. It's a challenge to get our head around it because God is infinite, I'm finite. And if I understand that God is infinite and I'm finite, then I would expect there'd be a lot of things about the nature of God that I can't understand. Mm. And I'm okay with that because I understand my limitations as a creature. And I understand that God doesn't have to be comprehensible by me to be real or to be valid. And in fact, if he was entirely comprehensible by me, he wouldn't be a being that was worthy to be called God. That's right. He'd be too small. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so I could hear someone out there listening saying, well, hold, well, hold on a second. Doesn't the Bible say that we're made in God's image? So aren't we the same? If we're made in God's image, aren't we the same as God? Right? Is he really that different from us? What would you say to that? Yeah, there's, we are made in his image in Genesis chapter 1, and what that, what that seems to reflect is that we reflect some characteristics of attributes of God, that we've been given a um, commission to stand in for God, so to speak, in the, in the created world it, with some authority to rule and mm-hmm. some, uh, a, some responsibility to take care of God's creation and so yeah. forth. And so what, what that means is that, yes, there's a reflection of God, but that doesn't mean we're of the same kind of being as God. Mm-hmm. Okay, look in a mirror, there's a reflection of me, and that that reflects some reality about me, but that's not me in the mirror. Mm. And so we have to constantly work to maintain this distinction between creature and creator, that we're made in his image, but there's also this vast uh, gulf at the level of our being. I'd say, like, um, there, it's it's a broader gulf in the kind of being that we are versus who the kind of being God is than 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 we are say compared to an ant mm-hmm. you know so he's just a different kind of being because he's self-existent that's right uh, he we're dependent on him for our existence he's not dependent on anything or anybody for his existence and then and then on the back end of that then right so God always existed there there was never a time when God didn't exist, but we're different. There was a time where we were created because like you said, we're the creatures, he's the creator. And then on the on the on the other side of that spectrum, on the right side, I'm a math guy, so on the right side of that continuum is we're going to live forever with him. Those who have put our faith in him, we're going to live forever with him, but Revelation, the last book in the Bible gives a picture of what that looks like. He's on the throne, we're mm-hmm. not. He's worshiped, right. we're not. We're never going to be worshiped. We're never going to be God. God always will be God and therefore he will always be different even though I think someday it won't be so mysterious to us, right? Right? I'm I'm sure right. in eternity we're, it's not or maybe it just won't even matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> we're just going to be in in awe of his presence, right? Right. Because God is, it goes back to this biblical concept of holiness. A lot of people think of holiness, they think of God is free from any moral imperfection. Mm. The bigger, deeper idea of holiness in the Bible is that God is not like anything else. That's right. He's transcendent, that he's separate in his, in his being from everything that he made. Yeah, and so I just have to say, if you're someone coming from a Mormon background, man, I hope you would understand that. I hope you would really wrap your mind around... Um, that God is different, and that's good. He's different than you, and that's good. It's biblical. First of all, it's true, right. but but beyond that, it's good. It's good that He's different than you. It's good that there's a God who's perfect. There's there's a God who's not flawed like we're flawed. It's good that that my the goal of my life isn't to be a God. It's good that the the goal of my existence is to work 
glorify God, to worship the one God who always was, who always is. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, an amount of certainty in that. There's a, there, there's peace that comes. It takes all the pressure off of me because it's not about me. I'm not God. I'll never be God. And so again, for any Mormons who are, I don't want to, this isn't just for Mormons, but I, I just, we have a heart for Mormons. So any Mormons who are listening to this, boy, I hope you would really hear that. I hope you would go to your scriptures, go to the Bible, read the Bible and say, God, reveal, you, reveal yourself to me. Help me to see the awe and the wonder of who you are. In fact, mm-hmm. in Job, it says this, Job 11, verse 7 and 8, Job writes, can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. I love that it, it's just, it, you know, I, there's a lot of passages in Job where God is, is interacting with Job saying, were you there? Were you there when I created, when I created the world and everything? Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's a rhetorical question. No, you weren't there. And because you're, I'm God and you're not. Right, exactly. And man, what a great thing to remember. Yeah, it puts us in our place. It's appropriate to be in our place. We want to be in the place that we were created to be in. That's right. Right. That's what, like you said, that's, there's a peace there. And there's, you know, to, when I know, know God um, is in his place, I'm in my place, that, that, that really makes life make sense. All right. So we're almost done here, uh, Ross. I think people have a lot to think about. I'm sure people are going to want to listen to this podcast a couple times. They're going to probably want to re-listen to it to try to wrap their mind around it. I'll probably have to do the same thing. But we've got to end with this question. Do you, do you have to understand the Trinity? Do you, Maybe not even understand it. Do you have to ag- accept it? Mm-hmm. Do you have to... Do you have to sign off on the on this what we're what we're describing as the orthodox understanding of the Trinity, one God or one being, three persons? Do you have to sign off on that to be a true Christian? Can you believe in something other about God's nature and still be saved a yeah, Christian? That's a really good question. First of all, you know, you bring up the issue of the difference between being able to comprehend the Trinity versus the difference between, on the other hand, being able to understand what the Bible teaches, right? Mm-hmm. So to say, I, I believe that there's one God, one being who exists in three persons eternally, I can articulate the biblical teaching. I can't explain how that works, right? So so there's the distinction there. I'll never mm-hmm. in this life be able to explain how that works. We have analogies, we can kind of get around it, but but there's the, bib- the biblical doctrine. I have to affirm that. You have to affirm that to be able uh, to be right with God. Well, yes and no, okay? So um, a person can have a real, I think, a real encounter with Jesus, really understand their need for salvation, understand their sin and how that separates them from God, and understand the, you know, that Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins and, and, and really say yes to that and put their trust in Jesus alone to be in a relationship with God, certainly you don't have to understand every in and out of every doctrine, every theological mm-hmm. position um, in order to have a true life-changing, defining moment of faith. And so that's that that's the 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 no part. You don't have to understand the Trinity to have mm-hmm. a living encounter with Jesus. And then as you as you keep reading the Bible, and you're in fellowship with the, with the church, and you're being mentored, and so forth, and you grow in your understanding, and you become more and more uh, in sync with what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. The, um, the yes side, in other words, the person, it's possible to not be saved, 
I believe, if a person understands this biblical doctrine of the Trinity, the formulation of it, understands that the Trinity is teaching one God, three persons, but that they then consciously deny that. Mm. I don't think it's possible for that person to be saved, mm. because this is the God who, who is. Mm-hmm. This is the God who is real. This is the God that we're talking about being in a relationship with. The, the God, the real God, is the three-in-one God of the Bible. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the things that we we talk about in other lessons and other podcasts, other topics is that that we're saved by grace through faith. We're not saved by works. Mm-hmm. We're saved by what Jesus did on the cross and we're saved by placing our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. So what that means, we like to say it like this. Saving faith is like two sides of a coin. On the one side you have the right information. You have to have the right information because you can't because the the object of your faith is so important the Jesus that you believe in is so important that's why as we said at the top of this podcast um, what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing about you because what you believe about Jesus is the thing that most impacts your eternal destiny because the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. So the object of your faith is important. So in that, in that sense, the information that you have about Jesus, and more broadly, the information you have about God, is really, really important. It's not unimportant. You can There are plenty of ideas of Jesus that are out there that are not salvific ideas of that the Jesus of you know if you just think Jesus was a good moral teacher I'm sorry that Jesus doesn't save right if you think that Jesus was Satan's brother just Satan's brother kind of at, on this, on par with mm-hmm. say with us you just think he's our big brother which is kind of what Mormons right. believe right mm-hmm. I don't I don't believe that, that that's the Jesus of the Bible that Jesus doesn't save a, a, a JV God Jesus right is not a save is not the is not a saving Jesus. Right. And we'll explore that in a couple of weeks That's right. why the uh, the deity of Jesus the trinity is so important to our salvation. That's right. In yeah. every aspect of the three persons. That's a great point. So that's one to me that's one side of the coin is is what you believe about Jesus is so important. So you need the right information about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you need to be able to articulate the trinity? I don't think so. Because I don't think the early Christians could probably articulate the exactly. Trinity, right? No, they couldn't. Yeah. So but but it's still really really fundamentally important that what you believe about Jesus is biblical, the, that you have the right information, that you have the right Jesus. Right. The other side of the coin is I think what you're alluding to here as well is having the right attitude. It's having this mm-hmm. attitude of, uh, we that atti- the biblical word for this attitude is repentance. It's an attitude that says, God, what you say goes. So what right. that means is when we come to scripture and we read the Bible, right. we, we don't come to the Bible saying, I want to prove my beliefs. I want to prove what I think. No, we come, to G- we come to the Bible and to Jesus more broadly with this humble heart that says, you're God, I'm not. Right. You always were, I never will be God. Right. And so teach me, show me. And so then when we come across some of these passages like we've come across, and then again, that's when we start we start putting two and two together. And again, my math mind jumps in. I says, I say clearly the God of the Bible is there's only one God. It's in the Shema, it's all yeah. through the pages of the Bible from cover to cover. But then clearly we have these verses like we some of which we just read today. Clearly we have these verses where God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are at a different level than Paul and Peter and Moses and David, right? So, and as the more we read it with hearts that are open to understanding God's nature, the more 
I believe it's just inevitable mm -hmm. that we come to this orthodox understanding of the Trinity. There is one right. God in being who exists as three persons. Right. And another way to put that, I, I liked how you framed that, Brian, in terms of our attitude. A repentant attitude toward God says, God, I want to know you as you have revealed yourself. That's right. God has chosen to reveal himself over time in, as, a, as a triune being. Mm. And so I, if I don't submit to that, then I don't, how could I know God? Yeah, that's good. Let's close with a verse, Romans eleven thirty three. Paul writes this. I love this passage. He says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways, and I would say, and his nature. And his nature, yeah. Who he really is. Yeah. And, uh, but it's a mystery. The Trinity is a mystery, but, but it's a beautiful mystery. And so again, I, I want to just say thanks for listening. If you want to use this conversation with your small group, you can find a short video related to this at pursuegod.org forward slash Trinity. It's a five-week series. This is lesson number one. So next week, Ross, we're going to be right here talking about the next part of this, understanding God's nature, understanding a biblical uh, the doctrine of the yeah, Trinity. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, how God is one. We'll talk about the oneness part of it first, the unity of God, yeah. and then in subsequent episodes, we'll talk about the distinction, the three persons part. Yeah. Thanks, Pastor Ross. Again, thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Share this with somebody who can really benefit from us, and then join us next week for episode two in the lesson.